Hey, Jess. Hey, Kat. <laughs> oh, anxiety's so high today. Oh, uh, no. Guys, I told Kat in advance what I was going to be covering today because I wanted her to mentally prepare herself. Um, so... <laughs> I'm like sitting here like, I just don't want this to happen. Oh my gosh. Um, so, cat. Yeah. Oh <laughs> We're God. staying inside because of drum roll. No drum roll. <laughs> just keep your hands and toes in the rides at all times and don't exit the vehicle. <laughs> what, if, what, did, what is it called? A trigger warning? If you are a... <sighs> If you are a like-minded cat individual, please exit the podcast. <laughs> Come back next episode. Come back next episode. Um, I can't. I don't have that luxury. So I'm ready. <laughs> Let's talk about it, Jess. What are we okay. talking about today? We're staying inside because of Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, even the name. Okay. I actually blame society for this one because it's become so popular in the recent, like, month. It has. And, like, so there's, like, the Netflix documentary, right? Like, I will not be watching it. Have not, will not watch it. This is so... <gasps> no, thank you. There's... There's... Yeah, there's a couple documentaries. There's... um. Dahmer is the most recent release. It's like a show where um, Evan Peters, I think that's his name, portrays Dahmer. And it's actually pretty accurate. So, um, I But I can only watch the first like three episodes. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just a no. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's great. I'm sure it's so good. But it's <sighs> tough. Um, it goes beyond true crime. Yeah, this is like a very extreme, brutal, brutal case. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's get into it, I guess. Right. I guess if I'm ever ready. I Strap guess I in. Know. Okay, right? <laughs> Use my flight attendant fingers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born on May 21st, 1960 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Joyce and Lionel Dahmer. Jeffrey was the first of two sons in the family. Joyce was a teletype machine instructor and Lionel studied chemistry and ultimately became a research chemist. Growing up, Lionel had been very busy with his studies and wasn't home very much. Um, Joyce was known to be a hypochondriac and she suffered from depression, which kept her in her bed very often. Oh. This kind of resulted in both parents neglecting their kids. Oh. I see it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They also moved around a lot, six times since Joyce and Lionel had gotten married, to be exact. And... They ended up in Bath Township, Summit County, Ohio. 
From an early age, Jeffrey became interested in dead animals. Excuse <laughs> okay so we're like three minutes in and i'm already like no i want to hear less okay dead animals dead animals um his fascination okay. started when he was four years old when his dad was removing animal bones from beneath the family home for research ew okay yeah according to lionel jeffrey was quote oddly thrilled by the noise the bones made Oh my gosh, that's so gross. So just for everybody at home, like I I started drinking like 30 minutes ago. I, I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> I popped one up in right before we pressed oh. play. <laughs> I am on wine glass number two just to brace myself for this. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, he likes the sound that Bones made. Um, from then on, Jeffrey would seek out and collect insects along with skeletons of small animals. So, I mean, rough start. Right. Like, from the get, this just <laughs> screams, hey, very unhealthy child. But, okay. Yeah. Here we are. When he was 10, Jeffrey asked his father what would happen if chicken bones were placed in bleach. Being a curious mind, I guess. Um, his father, excited by the question because he thought Jeffrey was asking for scientific purposes, demonstrated how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, I get, I guess, where his dad's coming from. Like, oh my gosh, like, maybe my kid is excited and, like, loves science and, like, wants to know more. Yeah. Well, he's also a research chemist, so it's like, that's his job. Yeah. I don't know. Something, I guess, they could bond over. Maybe not a red flag in this family, whereas my mom would have been like, excuse me? Hell no. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. I'm not telling you this. Don't even Google it. Ugh. Um, Jeffrey would then use those techniques as he kept collecting dead animals. The same year, Joyce was increasing her consumption of sleeping pills, laxatives, and Equinol odd mix but okay yeah uh she was like hella depressed i don't know yeah but like lax laxatives yeah i don't know okay okay (laughs) that's that's what my research said right like whatever you you do you in your depression state um in 1975 when um Jeffrey was age 15. He decapitated a dog that was already dead and nailed the body to a tree, impaling the skull on a stick in the woods behind his house. And My head sinks slower. Just oh, wait. Gosh. <laughs> As a prank, he invited a friend over to view the display and claimed that he discovered the, re- the remains that way. So, like, told his friend, like, oh, look what I found. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, gosh. To, like, scare him or be like, whoa. Right? Yeah. In high school, Jeffrey was seen as an outcast. By the age of 14, he was drinking beer and hard alcohol during the day, often keeping the liquor inside of the jacket he wore to school. Okay. Though he was a quiet person, his teachers considered him polite and highly intelligent, but he carried average grades. Just kind of like, 
I don't know. Like, I know my husband, Zach, like, he was like, high school only means so much. Yeah. Uh, he like, probably just didn't mentality. care. Yeah. That's or, like, enough. was miserable because he was, like, I don't know. He was seen as weird by his classmates, so he just was like, why am I here? Like, what, what matters? Why does yeah, it matter? like, I hate being here. Yeah. He was a fairly good tennis player and was briefly in the band. Okay. I feel like that's more social, like, interaction than you would normally see in a person of his Yeah. And he was actually known to be a class clown and would often pull pranks, which became known as, quote, doing a Dahmer. Oh, my God. These pranks, including simulating... Foreshadowing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. These these pranks included simulating epileptic seizures or cerebral palsy. That's that's fucked up. It's so fucked up. Okay. But what year are we talking here? Like we're talking Like seventies. Yeah, okay. So So everything it it wasn't as I don't know, offensive as it is now. I don't know. I guess people just didn't speak up about it. Yeah. I don't know. I see. Um, by 1977, his grades declined and his parents hired a tutor, but that didn't really help. Yeah, like, I don't want to be here. Whatever. When he reached puberty, he discovered he was gay, but kept it to himself. In his early teens, he actually had a relationship with a boy his age, but nothing ever really came of it. Um, but this is when he started fantasizing about dominating and controlling a submissive male partner. And these fantasies would focus on the chests and torsos of men in general. Okay. So this, okay. Then I can't like, that would be so hard to be gay in the seventies. Yeah. So, but also to be like, oh, and I have this dominating thing. Like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Then his fantasies graduated to dissection. Stop. Yep. Of people? I I assume. Oh, we're talking fantasy. Oh, my fantasy. Um, Ew, even so, I don't like the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> when he was 16... When he was 16, he fantasized about a particular male jogger that he had seen. In this fantasy, he knocked him out and then made sexual use of his body. When he was 16. Yeah. Jeffrey actually attempted to attack this man. He hid in bushes on the man's jogging route and waited for him to run by, but luckily he never did. Oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In 1978, his father moved out of the house as his parents were going through a divorce. In spring of 1978, Joyce and Jeffrey's brother, David, had moved out of the family home to live with relatives in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. And Jeffrey, who had just turned 18, decided to stay in the family home in Ohio. Because I guess they still, like, own the house. Yeah. So, like, at 18, basically, this neglected child is just essentially abandoned yeah in ohio yeah i don't think but i don't think his dad knew that he was living on his own interesting yeah okay 
Okay. Because I don't think his parents had any communication. Oh, that's rough. Okay. Yeah. On June 18th, 1978, just three weeks after his graduation, Jeffrey picked up an eight, 18-year... Jesus. An 18-year-old hitchhiker named Stephen Marks, Mark Hicks. Can't talk. Jeffrey was like, hey, why don't we go drink at my house? Because I live alone. <laughs> and Right. Like, I'm an 18-year-old with a whole house. Yeah. Ugh. And he agreed. According to Jeffrey, the sight of Stephen bare-chested standing at the roadside stirred his sexual feelings. But when Stephen started talking about girls, he knew that any sexual passes he made would go unwanted. Okay, like, he got, like, a gay vibe and then was like, oh, wait, actually, you're not gay. Well, I think he was just attracted to him because he was, like, shirtless and that was, like, his thing. And then okay. he was, like, slowly trying to figure out if he was gay. Gotcha. Okay. Which he was not. <laughs> gotcha. So, they get to Jeff's house, and after hours of talking, drinking, and listening to music, Stephen was trying to leave. But Jeffrey didn't want him to. So, he bludgeoned Stephen with a 10-pound dumbbell. Oh my god, so casual. Yep. When Stephen was unconscious, Jeffrey strangled him to death with a bar of the same dumbbell. I'm speechless at this. Yeah. That's so... Then then he stripped him down, touched his chest, and masturbated standing above the corpse. Sorry. That's disgusting. Yep. The following day, Jeffrey dissected Stephen's body in his basement. Later, he buried the remains in a shallow grave in his backyard. A few weeks later, he dug up the remains and pared the flesh from the bones. I'm sorry. (laughs) He what? I'm sorry. He Oh, I don't want to. Oh, my God. There's not enough wine in the world to give me grace for this. <laughs> oh my God. There's not enough hard alcohol in the world either. No. He. Oh no. <laughs> he dissolved oh no. the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones oh. with a sledgehammer and shattered them in the woods, or scattered them in the woods behind the home. Oh, so, so, so terrible, awful. Oh, God. Yeah. Six weeks after the murder, Lionel and his fiance returned home where they discovered Jeffrey living alone in the house. That August, Jeffrey enrolled at Ohio State University, majoring in business. But because of his alcohol abuse at school, he received failing grades a point four five GPA to be exact. <laughs> what? Cat's face. What? <laughs> and then he eventually dropped out after one semester. Okay, so college wasn't college wasn't for him. No. Maybe he was like in his head, like I killed somebody. I don't know. Probably not, but like maybe. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Um, 
In January 1979, after much convincing from his father, Jeffrey enlisted in the U.S. Army. He underwent basic training before training as a medical specialist at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. He was often reprimanded for being intoxicated. Shocker. Okay, so like, dude's obviously an alcoholic. Yes. Yep. On July 13th, 1979, he was deployed to Baumholder, West Germany, where he served as a combat medic in 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, 8th Infantry Division. That was a lot. And I'm surprised yeah, I got through it. Yeah, that was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that, too. <laughs> in his first year of service, he was considered an average or slightly above average soldier. But because of his alcohol abuse, his performance dwindled, and in 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was later honorably discharged. He was honorably discharged? Honorably. Because of alcoholism? Yeah. How does that happen? Okay. Different time, I guess. I bet now, I mean, I bet now they wouldn't put up with that shit, but. Absolutely. I feel like. I feel like they'd be like, you're a drunk. Get out. Yeah. Dishonorable discharge. Like, stamped. Like, no question. Yeah. No contest. Okay. After being discharged, he moved to Miami Beach for a little bit and then ended up moving back to Ohio in September of 1981. I don't like that he was in my state and your state. I know. (laughs) I know. After returning to Ohio, he lived with his father and now stepmother for a little bit. Um, Okay, so less neglected as an adult. Okay. I guess. Two weeks after being home, he was arrested for drunken disorderly conduct. He was fined $60 and given a suspended 10-day jail sentence. Are you shitting me? No. (laughs) Okay. That's the 70s. I'm going to chalk it up to that. It's the 70s. Yep. His dad tried unsuccessfully to wean him off of alcohol, but obviously failed and ended up sending Jeffrey to live with his grandmother in West Allis, Wisconsin. Because grandma can always do it better. What? I mean, you got to respect okay. Gramps. That's, I mean, yes. <laughs> but like, really? I can't handle him. Here, mom, you take my son. Okay. Yeah. I mean, constant neglect from both of his parents, but that's fine. Constant neglect. Are you going to tell me next that grandma doesn't do a good job either? Nah, she just is a little oblivious. <laughs> oh, grandma. Oh, grandma. Um, She was the only family member that Jeffrey actually liked, so he was okay with it. At first, everything was hunky-dory. Jeffrey would go to church with his grandma, did chores around the house, actively sought, sought out work. And followed most of her house rules, although he did continue drinking and smoking. But of course. Mm -hmm. In early 1982, he got a job as a phlebotomist, but got laid off a mere 10 months later. Then he remained unemployed for over two years, living off of whatever money his grandma gave him. He had an allowance. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Because at this point, he's what, like 24, 25? He is 21. I couldn't be, I couldn't imagine being 21 living off an allowance. 
Especially being an alcoholic 21-year-old. Yeah. Shortly after, or shortly before losing his job, Jeffrey was arrested for indecent exposure. He was observed exposing himself to 25 people, including women and children, in the Wisconsin State Fair Park. He was fined $50. Okay, I am going to have to take that and pass on any kind of comment because... (laughs) (laughs) That's laughable. I know. Oh, okay. In January 1985, Jeffrey was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Shortly after landing this job, Jeffrey was propositioned by a man at the library offering to perform oral sex. Dahmer did not respond to this, but the incident caused him to fantasize about control and dominance. And then he started going to gay bars, gay bathhouses, and bookstores. He even stole in bookstores. In bookstores. <laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> he even stole a male mannequin and used it for sexual stimulation until his grandmother found it in a closet and told him to get rid of it. Ew. The mannequin is even in the show. <laughs> Spoiler Ew. alert. <laughs> Ew. At the bathhouses, during his sexual encounters, Jeffrey became frustrated with partners moving during the act. This caused him to start administering sleeping pills to his partners hidden in liquor. You mean moving like, like just like any kind of movement? Oh, gosh. He would, he would put the sleeping pills in their drinks. He would wait for them to fall asleep before performing sexual acts on them. So he would essentially date rape them. So great. Yeah. That's, yep. After 12 instances reported to the bathhouse, the administration revoked his membership, but this just caused him to move his antics to hotel rooms. Like, I already have these connections. Now we're just going to meet up instead. Yeah. Or he'll bring them back to a hotel room. Oh. Jeffrey was reading a newspaper one day and saw that there was an upcoming funeral for an 18-year-old man. He conceived the idea of stealing the fresh corpse and taking it home. Apparently, he tried to dig up the grave, but the soil had been too hard, so he abandoned the plan. A board podcast. A board. A board. Oh my god. Cat's telling you guys to get out now. So. Oh my god. Um, on September eighth, nineteen eighty six, Dahmer was arrested for lewd and lascivious. I think that's the word. Behavior for masturbating in the presence of two twelve-year-old boys. The charge was changed. Just wait for this. The charge was changed to disorderly conduct and he was sentenced to one year probation with additional instructions to attend counseling i mean at least this charge included counseling but like <laughs> literally this guy's had less than a hundred dollars worth of fines yeah and no jail until this point no still no there's still just probation okay i can't okay i'll sit back <laughs> on November 20th, 1987, Jeffrey was at a bar and met a man named Stephen Tuomi. 
Jeffrey persuaded Stephen to go with him to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee. They got a room, and Jeffrey drugged Stephen. Jeffrey woke up the next morning to find Stephen laying beneath him on the bed. His chest was crushed in, and bruises covered his body, and blood was coming out of the corner of his mouth. He, Dahmer had bruises on his fists and one forearm, meaning Stephen had fought him. But he has no recollection of what happened. Like he was too intoxicated? Like he drugged him and then drunk himself into... Maybe. Oh, gosh. Yeah. After the murder, Jeffrey bought a large suitcase stuffed Stephen's body in it, and brought it to his grandmother's house. A week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso, and then filleted the bones before cutting the flesh into small pieces. I am sorry. (laughs) I'm going to vomit. Oh my gosh. Uh, He placed the flesh into plastic bags and wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into dust with a sledgehammer. This whole process took Jeffrey two hours to complete. Mm-hmm. He disposed of the remains, except the head, in the trash. For two weeks after the murder, Jeffrey retained Stephen's head wrapped in a blanket before boiling it in a mixture of soylex and bleach. This preserved the skull, which he used as stimulus for masturbation. I'm laughing because Kat is literally like fanning herself. Like she, she can't believe it. Like, She's gonna pass like, out. Like, oh man, I might pass out. Oh my god, this is terrible. This is not funny. This is not okay. I'm laughing. I'm to to I I laugh when things are weird. Like I I don't know. I yeah. Oh, I'm going to need some therapy after just listening to this. I'm going to like, I'm seriously, I was like, maybe I shouldn't have been drinking wine. This should have been a Topo Chico bracing myself for a bad stomach night. Yeah, dude, my stomach has literally been in knots the past three days because of research. This is so disgusting. I'm so sorry. No, but it's for the people. So we got to get through it. (laughs) It's for the people. (laughs) AKA anybody who didn't take my warning and leave the podcast exit stage right. <laughs> okay. So eventually the skull dissipated due to the bleaching process, so Jeffrey got rid of it by pulverizing it. After Stephen's murder, Jeffrey began to actively seek out victims, most of whom he met in gay bars and would lure to his grandmother's house. He would drug his victim with triazolam or temazepam before or shortly after sexual activity. Once his victims were unconscious, he would kill them by strangulation. That's his general process. Like, that's his MO. Like, hey, let's go back to my grandma's house. Yeah. Like, I just, how does that start off with an individual? Hey, gotta room at Grammy's house. I don't know. I think he lured a lot of people by offering them alcohol. And it's probably, like, people who, like, would be like, oh, that's a good invitation. Like, me personally, I'd be like, 
I got alcohol literally anywhere else yeah. but your house. So he would offer them alcohol and also he would pay some of them or offer to pay some of them. Mm, okay. So okay. we'll get into it a little bit more. I'm sorry. No. I hate it. I know. Um, Two months after Stephen's murder, Jeffrey lured a 14-year-old male prostitute to his home by offering him $50 to pose for nude photos. This boy's name was James Doxator. Doxator. Doxtator. I don't know. <laughs> D. D. Just D. James. Oh my gosh, but he's D. 14? 14. At his house, they had sex, and then Dahmer drugged James and strangled him on the floor of the cellar, which is where his body remained for one week before Jeffrey dismembered it and discarded the remains in the same way, including the skull. This is so sick. It's it's really, like, heartbreaking and disgusting. And he's 14? Yeah. Um, on March 24th, 1988, Jeffrey lured a man named Richard Guerrero to his grandmother's by offering him $50 to spend the rest of the night with him. After drugging him with sleeping pills and strangling him with a leather strap, Jeffrey performed oral sex on the corpse. Within 24 hours, Jeffrey dismembered Richard's body and discarded the remains and preserved the skull for a few months before pulverizing it. And Grandma is just oblivious? This blows For the most my mind. part. Like, yeah, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, uh-huh, like, she just, like, won't. Yeah. Oh, but, oh, like, this whole thing is so, and, like, I, the word's not cringy in the term of, like, you know, like, a Gen Z, but, like, cringy in, like, the actual literal term of, like, this is absolutely disgusting. It makes me cringe. Yeah. Yep. Same. I, like, want to vomit. <laughs> I'm, like, deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. Yeah. This is going to be okay. It's just a podcast. It happened. It's over. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. So on April 23rd, 1988, Jeffrey lured another man to his grandmother's house, but after giving the man a drugged coffee, they heard Jeffrey's grandmother call, Is that you, Jeff? She observed that Jeffrey was not alone in the house, and this caused him to make the decision to not kill this person. He waited until the man passed out and then dumped him at a hospital. Like, do you think he gave him so many drugs that he would need, like, medical attention, I guess? I don't know. I think he was just trying to cover his tracks in that, like, maybe the man didn't have a home or he didn't know where he lived, but he was, like, passed out. So he was like, okay, maybe just dump him in a hospital so he wakes up and is potentially taken care of. Saved one, Grandma. Good job. Yeah. In September 1988, Jeffrey's grandmother asked him to move out because of his drinking and bringing young men to her house late at night and also the foul smells she would encounter coming from the basement and garage. 
Okay, so this woman straight up is like, I don't want to know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go look and see what this rank smell is. Like, could you imagine if Grandma had found, had gone any, had done any kind of digging? Yeah. No. She would have died, probably. Okay. Like. Oh my gosh, that's so terrifying to think about. Grandma would have died. Yeah. I mean. I would, I, I oh. yeah, I don't know. Like, her frail heart probably would have just, yeah, I don't know. Right. Right. Poor grandma. Poor grandma. Um, yeah. So, Jeffrey moved into an apartment complex on September 25th. He was arrested two days later for drugging and sexually fondling a 13-year-old boy who he had lured, lured to his apartment by offering money to pose nude for photos. Okay, what 13-year-old is like, yeah, that's fine. His, like, you are a straight-up child. He probably needed the money, or oh, his family so needed sad. the money, or something. That is so sad. Uh, well, because also, like, we're talking about money in the 70s. Yeah. And I like I don't think he lived in good neighborhoods, so a lot of shit was right. popping. Right. So, but, like, also, like, I feel like in the 70s, like, that's when, like, you could buy something for five cents, like. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I did not either. live at that time, so I do not know. Right. Thankfully. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, me just trying to derail the subject in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> Lionel, Jeffrey's father, hired an attorney named Gerald Boyle to defend him. At Boyle's request, Jeffrey went under a series of psychological evaluations before his court hearings. The result of these evaluations described that Jeffrey was harboring deep feelings of alienation. Two months later, a second evaluation showed that Jeffrey was an impulsive individual. He was suspicious of others and was dismayed by his lack of accomplishments in life. I mean, it fits. The shoe fits. In 1987, he was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder, which is a a personality disorder characterized by a lack of interest in social relationships, a tendency toward a solitary or sheltered lifestyle, secretiveness, emotional coldness, detachment, and apathy. I That was the definition I read verbatim. (laughs) (laughs) On January 30th, 1989, Jeffrey pleaded guilty to second-degree sexual assault and enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing was suspended until May, so he moved back in with his grandma. Between his conviction and sentencing, he killed his fifth victim, Anthony Sears, who he met at a gay bar. Jeffrey lured Anthony to his grandmother's home, where they engaged in oral sex before Jeffrey drugged and strangled him. The next morning, Jeffrey placed his body into his grandmother's bathtub where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay it. According the the term flay it literally <sighs> has me so like vividly thinking of what it looks like to fillet a fish. <laughs> I'm sitting here like thinking about my family like cutting up a fish and I'm like, oh my god, like yeah. will I ever be able to be around my family when they're fishing? Like, oh uh, no. Okay. The answer is no. No. Um, <laughs> no. 
According to, to Jeffrey, he found Anthony extremely attractive and decided to keep some body parts, specifically his head and genitals. He stored these in a wooden box. I literally am like trying not to gag. I know. Yep. Same. Oh. On May, the alcohol is helping, I will say. Right. Oh. On May 23rd, 1989, Jeffrey Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in jail with work release. He was also required to register as a sex offender. Oh, got him that time. Got him. Two months. Or like the magnitude of crimes is such a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Um, two months before he was supposed to be released, he was paroled. And once he was out was when his probation started. So he initially lived with his grandmother again, but eventually found an apartment in Milwaukee. Within one week of moving into his new apartment, he lured Raymond Smith who was a 32-year-old prostitute, by offering him $50 for sex. There, he gave Raymond a drink, mixed with sleeping pills, and then strangled him with his hands. The next day, Dahmer bought a Polaroid camera and took many pictures of Smith's body in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. He spray-painted Raymond's skull before placing it next to Anthony Sears' skull in a filing cabinet. So now he's collecting skulls. Correct. So, like, I was just an absolute shit person, but now I'm moving on to a person who, like, collects trophies. He's exactly. Yep. Like a dead-ass serial. Oh, my gosh. Serial killer. I'm sorry to finish my thought. I think it's three. Already was. Three to be a serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. Approximately one week after the murder of Raymond Smith, Dahmer lured another man to his apartment. In this instance, Jeffrey accidentally drank the roofie drink and woke up the next day to find that the guy had stolen a bunch of clothing, $300, and a watch. Hey yo. Karma bitch. One win for the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> In June 1990, Jeffrey lured Edward Smith to his apartment. He drugged and strangled him. Rather than doing his normal thing where he bleached the the skull and the bones, he decided to keep the skeleton in his freezer for many months. He thought this would reduce the moisture that bodies naturally retain, but it didn't. After placing the skull in the oven to dry, it ended up exploding. Less than three months after the murder of Edward Smith, he met Ernest Miller outside of a bookstore. Miller agreed to go back to Dahmer's apartment for $50 so Jeffrey could, quote, listen to his heart and stomach. What? Mm. Could you imagine? You... No, if someone asked me to do that, I was I would be like, uh, I would actually run away before saying anything. <laughs> right, like you're leaving Barnes and Noble, and somebody goes, "Hey Jess, let's go back to my place. Can I please listen to your heart and your chest?" Booking it. He- I'm running. I'm out. <laughs> out of that scene, absolutely not. I'm out. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna disappear. Poof. I'm gonna disappear. <laughs> <laughs> when. 
Ugh. When Jeffrey attempted to perform perform oral sex, Ernest said, quote, that'll cost you extra. And then Jeffrey gave him a drink laced with two sleeping pills. This may not have been enough sedation because he ended up killing Ernest by slashing his carotid artery with a knife. Oh, God. After he bled out, Dahmer posed Ernest's nude body and took pictures before placing it it in his bathtub for dismemberment. He wrapped Ernest's biceps, heart, and other portions of flesh in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge. He boiled the remaining flesh and organs into a that's a gross jelly-like substance using Soylex, which enabled him to retain the skeleton. He placed the bones in a bleach solution for 24 hours before drying them on a cloth for one week. So literally for one week, there were just bones, like, on his counter or wherever the fuck he wanted them. Yeah, like, I have mail on my counter. He has bones. Bones. Um, the head was initially placed in the fridge before he stripped the flesh off and painted and coated it with enamel. I know. I'm I just sorry. want to run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah same. <laughs> yep, same. And to that I drink. Um, right. On September 24th, 1990, Jeffrey met a 22-year-old named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall. He lured him to his apartment with the offer of drinks and additional money if he would pose for photos. He gave David a drink laced with sedatives and strangled him and then dismembered him but did not retain any body parts. Though he did take photos during the dismemberment process and kept them. I'm like, I don't I don't know what to do with my mind right now. I like, know. I'm like, Caitlin, Ugh. don't throw up. Caitlin, keep listening. There's oh my gosh. So okay. many, I know. On February 1991, Jeffrey saw a 17-year-old Curtis Strotter at a bus stop near Marquette University. He lured, lured, I keep saying that, he lured Curtis to his apartment offering money for posing for nudes with the added incentive of sex. Jeffrey drugged Curtis, cuffed his hands behind his back with handcuffs, and then strangled him with a leather strap. He dismembered the body, keeping the skull, hands, and genitals, taking pictures of each stage of the dismemberment process. Ew. Ew. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> oh. I don't like these. <laughs> I don't up. like that. You can't do that. <laughs> okay. Less than two months later, on April 17th, he encountered 19-year-old Errol Lindsay. Though Errol was heterosexual, Dahmer lured him to his apartment where he drugged him, drilled a hole in his skull, and poured hydrochloric acid into it. Apparently, Errol woke up after this experiment saying, quote, I have a headache. What time is it? What? He drilled a hole into his head, woke up and said, I have a headache? Yeah. You have a head hole. <laughs> I mean, like, I know that that's funny, but oh my God, I'm literally, that like is so, my eyes are peeled. That's so... Yeah. <gasps> In response, Jeffrey drugged him and then strangled him and went through the dismemberment process. 
1991, many residents in his apartment complex had complained about foul smells coming from apartment 213. And also, I'm sorry, re- do you mean weak old decomposing <laughs> bodies? And also reported the sound of falling objects and the occasional sound of a chainsaw. <laughs> Cat's mouth is on the ground. <laughs> the words are gone. Yeah. The building manager. Yeah. The building manager confronted Dahmer about this, but his response was that his freezer kept breaking, spoiling his food. Another time, he stated that his tropical fish had died and that he would take care of it. My tropical fish died, a.k.a. I killed five people upstairs and let them rot in my apartment for five to seven days. Mm. Possibly more. Who knows? Who knows? Who believed a fucking fish story? I don't know. On... May 26, 1991, Dahmer came across 14-year-old teenager named Conorak. I'm going to say this definitely wrong. Synthesophone. Synthesophone. I don't know. That sounds like a disease. Conorak S. This teenager was the younger brother of the boy he had molested in 1988. But Jeffrey didn't realize this. This is okay. This the story of this poor boy is like the saddest one. So I'm just prepping you now. Jessica. Sorry. Prepping you all now. No. Okay. Okay, hold on. So so he got his younger brother already. Well, so remember when he was arrested for molesting? Yes. Yeah. And then he had the testing done. Like, this was obviously that guy's dad. So does this kid know? The kid knows. Okay, so the kid is aware, but Dahmer is not. Yeah. Ooh. Dahmer offered him money, took him to his apartment where he posed for two pictures in his underwear before being drugged. Before the teenager became unconscious, Dahmer led him to his bedroom where the naked body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes laid naked on the floor. I said naked twice, but you get the picture. So two bodies in there at once. Uh-huh. Well, I guess three if we're including live. Two live, one dead. Yes. One drugged. Yeah. Dahmer drilled a hole into the crown of the teenager's skull and injected hydrochloric acid into his frontal lobe. Dahmer then drank a few beers while lying alongside the teenager before he left to go to a bar and purchase more alcohol. When he came back to the apartment early the next morning, he saw the teenager sitting naked on a street corner talking in Lao, which is the language. He was an Asian child um with three young women standing near him Dahmer approached the women and told them that the teenager was his boyfriend and attempted to grab him and lead him back into his apartment 
The women told Dahmer that they had called 911. Cause there's a fucking hole in his head. I I don't think they saw the hole in his head, but I don't know. Two officers, John Belserzak and Joseph Gabrish, arrived. Dahmer explained that the teenager was his 19-year-old boyfriend who drank too much. One of the women tried talking to the officers to explain that the boy had blood on his testicles, was bleeding from his rectum, and struggled against Dahmer in his attempt to bring him back to the apartment. But the officer just told her to butt out and shut the hell up. That makes me want to scream. Three members of the fire department arrived on scene and they examined the teenager for injuries. One of the fire department personnel stated that the boy needed treatment, but the police officers directed the fire department to leave. After they There's left, a hole in his head! Mm-hmm. After they left, the officers escorted Dahmer and the boy back to his apartment. The police entered his apartment and in an attempt to verify the claim that they were lovers, Dahmer showed the officers the pictures that he had taken of him the night before. Smelling something odd, one of the officers peeked around the bedroom but didn't get, didn't really, you know, look. So the officers left. The incident was reported, was listed by the officers as a domestic dispute. Oh my god. After the officers left, Dahmer injected more hydrochloric acid into the boy's brain. This injection was fatal. The following day, Dahmer took a few days off of work to devote himself to the dismemberment of the teenage boy along with Tony's bodies, keeping both of their skulls. We're officially more than halfway through. Oh my god, oh my god, only half. Okay, that was so terrible. That was so terrible, that poor boy was so close. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like, oh, the community was so close. If the cop wasn't such a... Yep. Okay, I'm still not ready, but I'm ready. Okay. On June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago where he met a 20-year-old named Matt Turner. Dahmer offered to take him to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot. At the apartment, he drugged, strangled, and dismembered Matt. He placed his head and internal organs in plastic bags and placed him in placed them in his freezer. Five days later, Dahmer lured 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment. He drugged Jeremiah and injected boiling water into his skull twice, sending him into a coma. He died two days later. So he sat there and suffered for two days. Mm -hmm. On July 15th, Dahmer came across 24-year-old Oliver Lacey, He agreed to go to his apartment to pose for nude photos. They engaged in sexual activity, and then Dahmer drugged him. Dahmer wanted to keep Oliver alive for a while, but unsuccessfully attempted to keep him unconscious with chloroform. He ended up strangling Lacey, had sex with his corpse, and dismembered him. His head and heart were placed in the fridge, and his skeleton was placed in the freezer. 
On July 19th, Dahmer was fired from his job, and to cope, he went out and found Joseph Braidhoft, who was 25 years old, and brought him to his apartment. Dahmer strangled him and left him on his bed covered with a sheet for two days. On the, on the 21st, he removed the sheets to find the head was covered in maggots. Okay, there's the vomiting point. He decapitated, okay. yeah, he decapitated the body, cleaned the head, and placed it in the fridge. Oh my god. We're almost done. Okay. With the murders. Ugh. Well, you'll see. On July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men offering them $100 to join him in his apartment to drink beer and pose for nude photos. Only one of the men, named Tracy Edwards, accepted his offer and went back to his apartment. Upon entering, Tracy noted a foul smell in several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer explained he used for cleaning bricks. During during conversation, Dahmer told Tracy to look at his fish. Then when he turned his head, Dahmer placed a handcuff on his wrist. Tracy asked what was happening, and Dahmer told him to follow him to the bedroom to pose for nude photos. Tracy complied, and once in the bedroom, he noted that there were nude posters of men on the wall and that Exorcist 3 was playing on the TV. He also noted a 57-gallon drum in the corner that stunk. Could you imagine the terror? Oh my gosh. I would just know at that moment, it's over. I'm dead. Yeah. In a terrible way. Dahmer pulled a a knife on Tracy and informed him that he wanted to take nude pictures of him. To appease Dahmer, Tracy unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would let him take pictures if he could remove the handcuff and put the knife away. Dahmer then turned toward the TV, rocked back and forth, chanting, before he turned back to Tracy. Uh, Yeah, weird. He went up to Tracy, placed his head on his chest, listening to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against him, informed him that he intended to eat his heart. In an attempt to deter Dahmer from attacking him, Tracy kept saying that he was his friend and that he wasn't going to run away. Internally, he had decided that he was either going to jump from a window or run through the unlocked front door at the next opportunity. Requesting to move into the living room for beer and air conditioning, Dahmer complied and once they got to the living room and sat down, Tracy asked to use the bathroom. Once he stood up, he waited for Dahmer to shift his focus before punching him in the face and running out the front door. He made it out the front door? Yes. At 11.30 p.m. on July 22nd, Tracy flagged down two Milwaukee police officers named Robert Robert Routh and Rolf Mueller. The officers noted that Tracy had a, a handcuff attached to his wrist, where he explained to the officers that Dahmer had placed handcuffs on him and asked if the police could remove it. When the officers' ha- uh, handcuff keys didn't fit, Tracy agreed to accompany them back to Dahmer's apartment, 
where Tracy had explained he was contained for five hours before escaping. When are are you on the edge of your seat? I are am. You? I'm like just talk faster. Oh my gosh. Sorry. When the officers entered apartment 213, Dahmer invited them in and acknowledged that he had placed the handcuffs but gave no explanation why. This is when Tracy told officers that Dahmer had held a knife to him and that this happened in the bedroom. Dahmer just told the officers that the key to the handcuffs was in his bedside dresser. As Officer Mueller entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to walk by him to get the key himself, but the other officer stopped him, telling him to back off. In the bedroom, Officer Mueller noted that there was a large knife beneath the bed. He saw an open drawer that contained many Polaroid pictures of human bodies in various forms of dismemberment. He noted the decor that matched the pictures. He walked back into the living room and showed his partner, saying, this is real. When Dahmer saw that Officer Mueller was holding several of his Polaroids, he fought with the officers trying to resist arrest. The officers overpowered him and cuffed him and then called for backup. At this point, Officer Mueller started searching the rest of the house and opened the fridge to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. Dahmer, being held down by Officer Routh, turned his head to the officers and said, quote, For what I did, I should be dead. I no agree. shit. <laughs> I agree. Um, a more detailed search of the apartment revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls were found inside of a closet. Blood drippings were found on a tray at the bottom of his refrigerator. Two human hearts, a portion of an arm muscle, an entire torso, a bag of human organs, and flesh stuck to the ice at the bottom of the freezer. Also found, yeah, also found in the apartment, investigators discovered two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and know what was in that drum? Three dismembered torsos dissolving in acid solution. Um, okay, and there was a total of 74 Polaroid pictures of dismemberment. Are you okay? Are you all okay? How are we doing, no, people? No doesn't quite cover the not okay that I <laughs> am at the moment. I was literally gagging. Like, yep. Oh my god, I was literally gagging. Yep, and if you don't know this, he did eat parts of them. No! I, oh, it's a, oh my god, okay. I can't handle this. Can mm-hmm. we get to the part where he's like on death row and dies instantly or something? Um, Has a heart attack. And I mean, like, we're close, but not quite there oh yet. Oh my god. I, okay. Um, a total of 14 of Dahmer's victims were from various minority backgrounds. Nine of them were black. A lot of people thought that this was, he was like targeting different races. 
specifically the black community. But Dahmer was adamant that the race of his victims was incidental and that it was more their body form that attracted his attention. So he was basically like, no, I just have a type. Yeah, I guess. Dahmer was questioned for two weeks, totaling 60 hours of interviews. Dahmer waived his right to an attorney because he wanted to confess everything. He readily admitted to murdering 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987, adding one victim in Ohio from 1978. He admitted to engaging in necrophilia and performing sexually act, sexual acts with their organs as he dismembered their bodies. He confessed to consuming the hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of the thighs of several victims. Okay, what a little vomit. I don't feel well. I can't imagine how these victims' families would feel. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You ate my child. You ate my mom, my brother. Oh my. Not mom, because he was gay, but. Dad, yeah. (laughs) When asked why he preserved seven skulls and two full skeletons, he stated he was in the process of making a private altar, which he had intended to display in his living room. The four severed heads were to have all fresh, all flesh removed and also be used in this altar. When asked in an interview on November 18, 1991, whom the altar was dedicated to, Dahmer replied, quote, Myself. It was a place where I could feel at home. On July 25th, 1991, Dahmer was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. By August 22nd, he had been charged with 11 more committed in Wisconsin. On September 14th, uncovered... uh, On September 14th, hundreds of bone fragments were uncovered in the woods behind Dahmer's family home. Hicks was identified by two molars and a vertebra. Three days later, Dahmer was charged by authorities in Ohio with Hicks' murder. Dahmer was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards or the murder of Tuomi. Um, The murder was not charged because Dahmer had no memory of actually committing the crime and there was no existing evidence. At a preliminary hearing on January 13, 1992, Dahmer pleaded guilty by insanity to 15 counts of murder. 15? Yep. Insanity? Yeah. Trial began on January 30th, 1992. He was tried in Milwaukee for the 15 counts of first-degree murder. The judge was Lawrence Graham. By pleading guilty on the charges, Dahmer waived his right to an initial trial to establish guilt, which is part of Wisconsin law. Attorneys at his trial debated whether he suffered from mental or personality disorders. The prosecution claimed that any disorders didn't deprive him of the ability to recognize the crimes he committed or resist his impulses. The defense argued that he suffered from a mental illness disease and was driven by obsessions and impulses out of his control. 
The defense argued that he was insane due to his necrophilia. Dr. Carl Wallstrom diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and a psychotic disorder. On February 8th, Dr. Fred Fostel testified on behalf of the prosecution that he believed Dahmer was without mental disease or defect at the time he committed the murders. He described him as a calculating and cunning person, able to differentiate between right and wrong, I agree, and had the ability to control his actions, but lust overpowered his morals. Basically, he totally knew this whole thing was absolutely fucked. Yeah. Forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz, who was the final witness, testified that he committed the crime, stating that, quote, Dahmer went into went to great lengths to be alone with his victim and to have no witnesses. He explained the premeditation, proving his crimes not to be impulsive. Dietz also noted that Dahmer strongly identified with the villains of the Exorcist 3 and Returns and Return of the Jedi. Specifically identifying with the power that those, those uh, like, evil people, the villains, held. <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, that's a little, I mean, I don't whatever. Know. Okay. Dietz diagnosed Dahmer with substance use disorder, paraphilia, paraphilia, and schizotypal personality disorder. Trial lasted two weeks. On February 15th, the court gathered to hear the verdict, which was that Dahmer was ruled to be sane and not suffering from a mental disorder at the time of each of the 15 murders. Yeah. Two Good. of the yeah, two of the 12 jurors signified their dissent. Formal sentencing was postponed to February 17th and on this day Dahmer addressed the court. Yeah. In his statement. How does one do that? Like, how do you get the courage to wake up one day and go face a court full of people for all the shit that you did? That was unimaginable. I don't know. In his statement, he emphasized that he had never desired freedom following his arrest and that he wished for his own death. He also said that none of the murders were motivated by hatred and that nothing he could say or do could undo the harm he's caused their families. He also said that he understood that society would never forgive him, but he hoped God would. He ended his statement by saying, quote, I know my time in prison will be terrible, but I deserve whatever I get because of what I've done. Thank you, Your Honor, and I am prepared for your sentence, which I know will be the maximum. I ask for no consideration. It's so weird because it's like, I'm fine to answer for what I did, but I have no remorse for what I did. Yeah. But I understand what I did is wrong. Yeah. That's so... Okay. I don't... I don't... I don't have words to go over this episode. I don't have... I I don't have the means in my vocabulary. I know. Dahmer was sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years upon the first two counts. The remaining 13 carried a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment, plus 70 years. The death penalty was not an option, as Wisconsin had abolished capital punishment in 1853. Damn. Yeah. 
Three months after conviction, he was extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks. Dahmer again pleaded guilty and was sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment. Upon sentencing, Dahmer was transferred to the Columbia Correctional Institution. For the first year, he was placed in solitary confinement because they were worried he would be killed by fellow inmates. Okay, but like, is that the worst thing that could happen to this guy? Come on. (laughs) After one year with his consent, he was transferred to a lower security unit where he was assigned a two-hour daily work detail cleaning toilets. Dahmer became a born-again Christian and was baptized in May of 1994 in the prison Whirlpool. On July 3rd, 1994, Osvaldo Dorothy, a fellow inmate, attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor embedded in a toothbrush while Dahmer was sitting in the chapel. Dahmer received superficial wounds and was not seriously hurt. He... I have so many conflicting feelings right now of like, damn, too bad that didn't work. And like... Maybe, no, that's my only feeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, he kept in contact with his father, stepmother, and even his mother. Joyce, his mom, said that when she showed concern for her son's well-being, Dahmer responded by saying, quote, I don't care, mom. I don't care if something happens to me. Which, like, just goes to show, like, he is truly a psychopath. I mean, obviously, you can't do this to people and be, like, a normal person, but... Yeah. Um, On November 28, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to do his work detail. With him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The three were left unsupervised in the showers for about 20 minutes. At 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was discovered on the floor of the bathroom suffering from extreme head wounds. He had been beaten severely with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had also been struck against the wall in the assault. Though he was still breathing, he was rushed to a nearby hospital and pronounced dead one hour later. So he did suffer for like an hour. Uh, Yeah. At least. Just brings me back to the kid with the ladies and the hole in his head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, don't feel bad for this guy. Don't. I don't. Like, no. Like, that is not my feeling. No. Like, I'm like, it could have, it should have been worse. Yeah. I'm just glad he suffered. A little. Yeah. Um, Anderson one of the other guys had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later. Oh, so. Yeah. Scarver admitted he had attacked Dahmer before attacking Anderson. According to him, Dahmer had not yelled or made any noise when he was attacked. Immediately after attacking them, Scarver returned to his cell and told a a guard that, quote, God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. I mean, is he doing the Lord's work? Um, He was, I think he was borderline schizophrenic, so I don't know. (laughs) I mean, can we say he's better than Dahmer? Not necessarily, but like, 
<laughs> Am I proud of the guy? A little. Yeah, he was convicted of two more uh, life sentences. So oh, shit. Because of this. Also, like, just to think of like being beaten with a metal bar and not one time trying to like defend myself. Yeah, he was just like, okay. But, like, which surprises me why he didn't, like, try to kill himself or something. Right. Like, I guess, what is it, what is a mental state in that point? I feel like he, like, wanted it to happen. I don't know. He wanted someone else to do it. he wasn't going to be against it. Yeah. Yeah. So bizarre. Yeah. Um, Scarver claimed that he had not planned the attacks, although he admitted he concealed the bar in his clothing before the killings. To, so like uh, I didn't plan it, but I like planned, planned it. it. <laughs> like what? Okay. In September 1995, Dahmer's body was cremated, and his ashes were divided between his parents. Um, and the last couple bullets. Okay. No. We're okay. almost done. Thank God. Aftermath. Um. A candlelit vigil was held on August 5th, 1991, in hopes to heal the community. More than 400 people attended the vigil, including community leaders, gay rights activists, and family members of this, of several of Dahmer's victims. Okay, I was about to say, to mourn Dahmer, because, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> the Oxford Apartments at 924 North 25th Street, where Dahmer had killed 12 of his victims, were demolished in, ni- in November 1992. It is still a vacant lot. Yeah. I mean, it's probably haunted to shit. <laughs> yeah. I'd, yeah. Dahmer's estate was awarded to the families of 11 of his victims who sued for damages. Five of the families destroyed his possessions and buried them in an undisclosed, undisclosed Illinois landfill. Good. Yeah. Like, at the very least, they get to destroy his shit and trash it. Yeah. Lionel is retired and lives with his second wife, Sherry. Both continue to use the name Dahmer and have professed their love for, of Jeffrey in spite of his crimes. In 1994, Lionel published a book titled A Father's Story and donated a portion of the proceeds to the victim's families. <laughs> Joyce, yeah, Joyce died of cancer in November 2000. Prior to her death, she had attempted suicide on at least one occasion. Jeffrey's younger brother, David, changed his surname and lives in anonymity. There have been many movies and shows and books written and made about Dahmer. I mean, that's like the most horrific thing I can even, like, yeah. that, that is one of the worst, and that, if not the worst, serial this, killer I can literally think of. Yes. 100,000%. Like, I my stomach, concur. I seriously am like, I don't feel good. (laughs) Yeah, this feels so disgusting all the way through my veins. Like, yeah, I've barely eaten the past three days because of this. So, hopefully, you guys liked it. (laughs) I was gonna say, Justice is over. Please, it's done. It's done. We're done. It's done. He's dead. No more. We're good. And now I again will reinstate my. I'm not watching the documentary on Netflix or any of the things. This is so terrible. Yeah. Um, I probably won't finish it. 
But in happy news, exciting news, um, I think because Halloween is coming up, we're going to do a spooky, spooky, spooky story. What would you consider this? Because I think this is just freaking terrifying. This is not spooky. The, uh, Dahmer, not spooky. Dahmer is like... Uh, uh, there are no words. <laughs> I know, I'm like uh, a category of his own. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Just please, please just... Just end it. Okay, um... <laughs> All right, so if you guys want to email us and tell us how terrible we did on this episode, let me know. Um, email us at stayinsidepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at stayinsidepodcast or follow us on Twitter at stayinsidepod. Um, we hope, despite this episode, that you s- continue to listen to us. <laughs> I hope nobody has nightmares. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, stay okay. inside. No right. matter what. Yep. Okay. Don't don't let someone lure you into their apartment by offering money for nudes. <laughs> 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 or free alcohol. <laughs> I'll give you free alcohol if you really yeah, want just it. Just call me. Call me. Just call me. Call. Don't call be me a creepy man outside of the bookstore. Exactly. <sighs> okay. okay. I gotta go. All right. Okay. Yeah. I gotta go. Okay. Uh, Poof. Bye.